0: Hi everyone. Welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Lorraine, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. In this episode, I will be talking with Dr. Leisha Strawn. Her research in sports psychology deals mainly with positive youth development through sport. But today, we are extremely lucky and she is going to share with us a few different ways that we can protect our own mental health. Hello and welcome, Dr. Leisha Strawn. I am so honoured that you have taken the time to talk with me today.
1: Thank you so much, Acrobat Arts, for having me and, and Loren for inviting me to do this uh, podcast. This is really exciting and I'm honoured as well.
0: Leisha, let's start by you telling us a little bit about your background and how you became involved in sport. I do want to acknowledge that I'm, I'm doing uh, this podcast
1: here on Treaty One land here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, where I was born and raised here. And uh, I'm a first generation black Canadian. Uh, my parents are originally from Grenada, a small, tiny island in the Caribbean. And they've been in Canada now for over 50 years. So it's, it's, it's been, uh, this is almost home now for them more than, more than the Caribbean is home. But I, uh, I, I've grown up here. Um, you know, my, my path is, is going through uh, the sport of baton twirling, um, which we're both very invested in. And I, I you know, started at age five At a small community center, I was supposed to take tap dancing, but the class was full. The next table beside the tap dance table was baton twirling. And uh, my mom will say, as soon as the baton went in my hand, I was hooked right away. I I fell in love with the challenge of it. I fell in love with uh, how unique it was. I was just able to excel uh, very quickly. I, you know, probably everyone always has a little bit of natural talent for something. So I think there's, there's definitely some natural talent there, but I, you know, I was very blessed to have great coaches right from the beginning and uh, that first coach, I, you know, her name was Linda Adams, extremely uh, bubbly, very vivacious personality and just made baton fun, made sure that we were always smiling and laughing and enjoying the time. And I, I think right from the beginning that had a big impact on uh, my experiences in sport and what I was drawn to in sport. So, you know, I then was able to move on to uh, Joyce Ormshaw, who was my second coach. And, you know, she really taught me fundamentals and really pushed us a lot to to be the best we can be. And at the same time, you know, I started with Joyce when I was seven. And then around age 10 is when I was introduced to um, Carrie McKittrick, who was my Uh, main coach and mentor I would say throughout my development but we started with her when we were 10. She used to come in and do our choreography once a year and then maybe when I was 16 I switched to her full-time and then had a chance through my sport to travel a lot to represent Canada at seven different world championships and gain a couple medals at world championships in the pair event and make finals as a freestyle athlete and I'm very proud of that but more proud that I was able to maintain relationships and continue on in the sport at a lot of different levels, you know, start to start coaching. I've been coaching now for over 25 years, and I, I'm very proud w- about what we've been able to build here in Winnipeg, a small club, Aerial Fusion Baton. But, uh, you know, we just actually started our 25th year this year as a club. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big accomplishment when you can, when you can do that and try to inspire athletes and you know surround yourself with coaches that you love and and coaches that will push you as well and help you to be the best that you can be and, and really that's all we can ask from sports so um so that's my main you know background through sport i, I dance uh, i started dancing when i was 11 or 12 i started a little bit later in dance um but uh it's something that i i still very much enjoy it's uh, a big part of my life still i I dance, uh, in a group called Prairie Dancers and we've been, I've been in that group for maybe three or four years now, but I've always taken adult classes through my, uh, through university, through, <laughs> through everything. <so. laughs>
0: I'll tell you anyone that followed you on Instagram during the first lockdown would have definitely seen how passionate you are about dancing.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, you know, that's been a blessing of the quarantine for sure is, uh, we just finding ways to keep active. And I, you know, just started coming across amazing choreographers that were just offering free classes all through, all through March and April. It changed a bit in May June, which I was expecting it <laughs> was going to, which is fine because we need to make a living. Um, but, you know, there's just so many free classes and I thought, oh, well, this is awesome. This is what I'm going to do to sort of keep active, but also um, as a coach and, and someone who, who's, creating all the time, it's so important for us to learn. And I I love not having to think and just learning and have someone else create. And for me, just to l- learn. It's such a skill to learn um, that our athletes and that we have to learn and keep sharp as well. But just watching how people create and the way they hear music and um, the way they move, I, I just think is just to me, really fascinating. So I really enjoyed it for being healthy, but I've also just enjoyed
0: it for um, the creative piece of it. So I'm going to go back a few things that you mentioned when you were talking about your involvement in sport, you talked about the coaches that you had and mentioned that they were positive, bubbly, and they really made class fun. Talk a little bit about how you eventually picked your academic path. Uh, It seems like there might be a, a direct correlation there.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so I started um, my university career wanting to be an English teacher, oddly enough. And <laughs> um, so I, you know, did that first. Uh, my mom's a teacher. So I think you always are influenced by, you know, your parents and what they're into. So I want to be a teacher. And I spent three years as a physical educator, uh, kindergarten to grade eight. And I think combined with that experience in terms of being an educator and then my sport experience and what I learned from coaches and particularly what Carrie had taught me in terms of sports psychology. She was kind of the first one to bring me imagery tapes for me to listen to when I was 13 and, you know, and to practice imagery. And that was always very interesting, I think, in the back of my mind. And um, it wasn't until I Ran into a, a now colleague and friend, um, Melanie Gregg, who's a professor at the University of Winnipeg. I ran into her at an airport when I was still teaching at St. Charles Catholic School. And she mentioned that she was doing a PhD in sports psychology. And I thought, what, you can do that? I had no idea. And uh, cause I just wasn't really, um, I guess grad school wasn't something I thought about or it wasn't necessarily a culture in my faculty that people went to grad school. So uh, I, yeah, that stayed in my head and I just started looking into master's programs. And then that led me to do my master's and led me to do a PhD at Queen's University. I was there for four years working on my uh, doctorate work there and uh, stayed there for a one year postdoc, actually, before getting a job at the University of Manitoba, where I I currently am. And have been there now for, which is crazy, 12 years. But it's been, it's been a a really uh, interesting ride. But I, I tell my own grad students, I've had a few grad students now. And I tell them all the time that you have to follow (laughs) and study in things that you love to do, um, and study things that are, are interesting to you. And you know, sometimes you have to look at what those hobbies are, what are those experiences that you've had, and how those can translate into research questions and things that you might be interested in following and most students do follow that you know they had an experience and they want to figure out okay what's a, another angle to that experience that i can actually research and use and and that's
0: really important piece of it i feel the same way reminds me of that saying if you love what you do it won't feel like work and i know as dance and acro teachers i'm sure we all feel that way most of the time But lately, during these trying times, some of us might be finding that our jobs are starting to feel more like work. Alicia, it would be great if you could provide some information for the teachers and their students to keep everyone motivated and inspired.
1: Yeah, it's a struggle. It is a struggle, and it's okay to recognize it as a struggle. You know, things don't have to be okay right now. (laughs) You know, we're all going through uh, different levels of. lock down different levels of what we can do and what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do. And I am so proud of the whole community of looking at the the dance community and the baton community of the creativity in terms of people trying to shift and think about ways to keep um, athletes motivated and focused uh, during this time. But the more we get into this is, uh, you know, it's so important to really think about our own health as teachers and as coaches and thinking about how we need to maintain ourselves. You know, um, we are so used to giving to our athletes, giving to our dancers and using a lot of that energy, uh, which we love and we're, we're, you're in this type of profession because you do love doing that. Uh, at the same time though, if we're not healthy, then our athletes can't be healthy. And, and we know that in families, um, you know, when, when people are <laughs> running themselves ragged in families, that you do need to stop and take that uh, self-care. So, um, you know, I'm just going to offer a few things just to think about for teachers in terms of protecting their own mental health during this time. Uh, first thing is what we were talking about in terms of me dancing and finding... Uh, things to keep me occupied, is really getting in touch with those other artistic passions. You know, we have a lot of different things that we love to do. And sometimes because of the busyness of teaching and coaching, we often might not take time. uh, Or It's not even just about finding time. You know, I always think, you know, we have to take time because no one's going to give it to you. So you have to take that time for yourself. And whether it's music, I've noticed uh, some coaches even – coaches at the university um posting you know things of them getting back to piano or guitar or you know taking time to actually reconnect with that and and thinking wow you know uh, university seasons have all been (laughs) cancelled this year as well and so those coaches are also like other than recruiting right now uh you know and i have obviously things i can do and courses i can take but what are some some things that are going to feed me you know, getting back to art, whether it's painting, you've never really had time for that or crochet or, you know, something that's going to be for yourself. Um, And as we mentioned, for me, it's been in dance, even though I dance all the time, it's just rediscovering other choreographers and and other ways of movement. So um, making the best of this time that way. The second thing is just really focusing on staying healthy which seems simple, but we know there are a lot of different uh, recommendations out there right now and public health orders that we have to abide by. But, um, you know, really taking that time to practice self-care. And hopefully then it becomes a habit, not just something that we do during quarantine, but something that we can continue doing throughout, uh, throughout the time that things will slowly, hopefully open up soon. The other thing is just, Staying connected with other friends and family outside of uh, our worlds that we, that we have in terms of dance, Uh, reconnecting with friends that you haven't had a chance to reconnect with for a long time. Uh, That really does feed the soul. I've been trying to do that a little more during quarantine. Um, Thinking of, you know, when someone crosses my mind, I'm like, let me give them a call. Uh, Even if it's a family member, a cousin in the Caribbean. I haven't had a chance to connect with them for a while. Let me call them and see what see what's going on and just reconnect with people. That that has been really great for me. Thinking of what I can do uh, to help others as well, but also for myself and and making uh, making more of those connections. Suffice it to say, there'll be a lot of uh, lunches and dinners that are going to be having to be had after uh, <laughs> this all opens up. <laughs> Everyone's like, we want to meet for lunch or dinner after this all opens up. And so, uh, which is great, which is awesome. And the last thing is just, um, you know, based on some recent work by Jamie Bissett at the University of Toronto, he did some work highlighting how coaches can support their athletes, um, own psychological well-being. And so I think educating ourselves and finding out some of those resources so that we can also be a little more on top of being able to see signs of um, what our athletes might be going through or what our dancers might be going through, just educating ourselves a little bit more with that. So um, some of the things that he mentions is um, to invest more in the coach athlete relationship or in the teacher dancer relationship, actually you know, invest in that relationship a little bit more outside of tasks and things we want them to do as coaches and teachers, but just finding out about them my own research looking at youth development in sport those casual communications that you have are such a big part of building that coach-athlete relationship which is so important in terms of building supportive relationships overall and building trust in athletes um, and athletes having trust in that bi-directional relationship that's so important (laughs) and that we often you know sometimes take for granted but uh, yeah just asking how their day is and All those things are really important. The other one is um, giving, uh, it says addressing team hierarchies. So really reflecting a little bit more about your your team or your dancers or your, you know, whatever classes that you have and thinking about the different roles that athletes and and dancers have in those classes um, and finding ways to actually bring out some of those different leadership qualities that um, some of those quieter, you know, uh, students might have. Thinking of ways to sort of pull those out uh, so that when we're back all together, we can think about how we're being more creative in terms of giving roles to, to everyone. So everyone has a chance to develop. Another one is just understanding more about psychological distress and those little keys or cues that, um, that you might notice. And um, you know whether someone's a little more withdrawn than they normally are. And again, taking time to actually address that and talk uh, about that. And then just thinking about how you want to change the culture of your team. You know, some of these breaks give us a chance to really think about that, to reevaluate what's important <laughs> for us. I will give a plug here for some research that I've been doing. One major thing I've been working on over the last uh, now 10 years or so is a resource called Project Score. So it's Project projectscore.ca. And it's a resource to help uh, coaches. It's, I guess, more focused in sport, but... I think can be used definitely within um, a dance uh, community resource as well, but ways to think about building positive youth within our programs. That idea of intentionality is important that we can't assume a lot of things in terms of development. We need to actually teach things in terms of development, just like we would teach technique and we would teach proper things, (laughs) proper progressions and everything that we're doing. Um, We need to think about how we're teaching those psychological skills as well, and um, how we're building the four C's that we talk about, which are competence, connection, confidence, and character. And so Project Score kind of helps coaches through the coach's locker room or the teacher's locker room, if you want to think of it that way, uh, build those four C's and things that you can practically do in a really deliberate way to help build that. Again, it might be just looking at Project Score and reading through it and seeing if there's something there that you can use to sort of change the culture of, of what's been going on we know there's I know as a coach sometimes I, I will see something happen in happen in to class or you know you kind of notice something like maybe a couple people aren't getting along or you know you notice things but we usually don't have time to address it because we are so focused on, on I mean we have such a finite time with them and, and sometimes you notice it you might think okay I'm gonna address that later and then it's gone right so this has really given us the chance to sort of think about culture and really reflect on, okay, how can I change that even through zoom? You know, what are some things that I can do to sort of help build a different culture, um, and kind of turn
0: a corner in a different way. That sounds wonderful, Lisha. I think project score sounds like a great resource for teachers and students. Um, if anyone is interested, how would they access it? Yeah, this, I, I think it's just, it's open right now for anyone.
1: So it's uh, it's a free resource. So you can just click on it and and look around. As I said, you can enter the the coaches' locker room. There's also a parent lounge, which builds on this idea of uh, developmental redundancy, which is this idea that what kids learn in one context needs to be reinforced in all their other contexts for them to actually develop. So, you know, it doesn't make sense if we're trying to reinforce something in our in the studio or um, in our in our teams and when they go home, it's a whole other message, right? So, uh, so we actually also developed this parent lounge so that parents can also go on and develop the four C's. And we work together then as a team, teachers, parents, we all work together to build this community and this culture that we want in terms of building positive youth. So there's that one. There's also a really great resource. um, Again, it's, it's more sport focused, but can definitely be used. It's, sports psychology for coaches.ca and it's a group of Canadian researchers who actually brought together a lot of the mental skills so the more applied sports psychology skills imagery self-talk um, you know a, a lot of different reflection a lot of different things and so it brought them together in one resource online that's also free and it would have you know, sheets or activities or things that you can do with your athletes in terms of specifically performance skills and things that they need in order to perform but a lot of these mental skills need to be practiced they're not things that just can you know we think okay we get to a competition okay go use your imagery like we have to actually (laughs) practice these and I've been really trying to use zoom with my own athletes as much as I can to (laughs) to try to practice some some mental skills Um, it really
0: it really is sort of the perfect time to practice those mental skills when maybe your students don't have the space? Absolutely. You can work on imagery and practice imagery. You
1: know, it's not also just about when we use imagery right away about thinking of routines, which some of them might be more comfortable with and are able to do that. It's also, if they're younger, we can think about just practicing, practicing imagery in another way. So one activity that might be really simple is, having them like close their eyes and actually just practice walking through their house, you know, something that they're really familiar with. So, you know, start in your room, you know, what does your room look like? Um, what are things, can you, can you manipulate the things in your room? You know, can you move your bed and your image to the other side? Or what does it look like when you change the colors of the wall and and working on that vividness of imagery that we want them to have when they're starting to image their <laughs> routines and, you know, we want them to have that vividness of imagery that just doesn't happen. We actually have to practice that. could we also practicing opening a Christmas orange, you know, done that before closing your eyes and imagine peeling the orange, that idea of texture and feel, of smell, of using all your senses. Um, taste, you can practice putting in your mouth. How does it taste when the orange goes in your mouth? What does that, what does that feel like? All those things are so important for us to, de- to develop. So it's not just about seeing, it's about developing all the other senses as well. Another thing that's a good mental skill for teachers maybe to think about is reflection. We, again, very rarely have time to reflect in the way we would like to reflect <laughs> um, after competitions. I, I have a post-competition form that I give my athletes after most competitions. I won't say everyone, but most competitions to have them reflect on what happened you know how did you feel the morning you, you got up how did you know um how did you shift between events or routines if one didn't go well what is something that you did to sort of get yourself back on track and reflecting on those things and journaling I mean we we want them to do that but now we can actually you know take some time on a zoom call together and like you know we're going to take five minutes here at the end and let's like all write something or answer a question together or something and and build discussion that way and again not only does that help them but it helps us to get some insight into what's happening with them and and how they might be enjoying life right now or not enjoying life right now. <laughs> I know that uh, one of my good colleagues who um, has uh, helped with some uh, acrobatic arts things in the, in the past and and helped with their staff meeting last year um, Dr. Adrienne Leslie Tuget she one thing that she's she's done is um, kind of taken, I guess, a play from the letters with your younger self. So that's been kind of going around a little bit, where um, you can you write a letter to your younger self and uh, and talk about you know the things you've learned over life and over your life and how that has influenced sort of what you do now and the choices that you make now. And that's another great website is the playerstribune.com. That's another really great one. Uh, lots of letters to your younger self on, on that one from athletes, from pro athletes, amateur athletes, Olympians from all over the world and different sports. Uh, and um, they've written there, but she's had her athletes write letters to their pre quarantine self, which I was like, I really like that. I haven't done that yet. But I do I do want to do that and have athletes I think reflect on uh, what like where they were before this started and, and how much growth maybe has happened even in this time for some of some of us it's gonna be a year coming up soon that some of them have been um, you know not being able to participate the way they'd like to but this time last year most people were still in lessons doing things and athletes being hard on themselves athletes uh you know maybe not investing the way they should um and and thinking of my pre-quarantine self and what hope do I have for myself as I move forward you know um I think that's I I would I haven't done that yet but it's something in the new year that I've been thinking that I'd like to do with my athletes
0: so I know you have already given us some tools for handling um the current situation we find ourselves in but if you could give the teachers just one piece of advice as we move forward, what would it be?
1: That's a really good, um, it's a really good question. I always like to go back to quotes. Quotes are something that I, I like to live by. There's one uh, person that I admire a lot, and that's Dr. Maya Angelou. And, uh, you know, she's so many books out there and um so many different uh, resources to, to look at, but her poetry and just her eloquence. And there's one quote that I actually have in my signature line of my email at work. Do your best until you know better then when you know better, do better. And I, I think that's a piece of advice that we can live by. You know, we, we, we're doing the best we can right now. <laughs> and we have to have that self-compassion and give ourselves that break to just do what we know right now, but it's incumbent on us. And that's our responsibility to keep learning. And once we know better and learn something, then we can change things and, and make things even better. So um, if it's one thing that you take in the podcast or one thing that you've read during this time that you think, you know what, let me try that and implement it because, um, you know, we do want to do better, you know, and, uh, and I think um, that's, th- those are me just are important words to live by in, whether we're teachers, whether you're doing things in your family, whether you're at work, you know, um, do your best until you know better Then, when you know better, do better.
0: I agree. I agree. Uh, So just to end uh, today's talk, I know we're both inspired by music and creativity, as you mentioned. So I'm just wondering, I know as a, as a teacher myself, I'm always looking for, you know, great pieces of music or something to get my dancers motivated. So do you have a favorite go-to song to get people pumped up? That's
1: to get thing, people pumped up. I'm not sure about pumped up, but um, to get myself pumped up. Uh, <laughs> like, <Sure. laughs> um, I thought about this and there's kind of, I'll tell you like three quick three quick tips or three quick things that I like to do. First of all, jazz is a genre of music that just speaks to me. I love using jazz as much as I possibly can. And that's really ever since I did a freestyle to jazz in 92 and was just exposed a little bit to some vocal jazz. And uh, since then I've just tried to research and tried to find other jazz voices. So, you know, just, think of what the, the, the genre that you really like, and then kind of go from there. The other thing is I really like acoustic pieces. Uh, I think it's just as a choreographer, the clarity of hearing words, and when there's just a little less in the background, I, I like to do that. So if there's a song that you love, but maybe it's a little bit busy, look on YouTube and, um, <laughs> and see if there's a cover that someone has done that's like, wow, that's really interesting sort of acoustic cover out there that I hadn't thought about and thinking it that way. My last tip is um, just trying to highlight Canadian artists if I can. So I've used uh, Serena Ryder a few times. I I really like her just soulful voice. I've seen her live once and she's just incredible live. So Once we're allowed to see live performances again, which I hope is soon, um, you know, don't be afraid to just seek out and go see concerts of people you haven't really heard of before. And um, Walk Off the Earth is another group that I I really love. They do incredible covers, but have also amazing original material. Delta Ray is another group that uh, they're not Canadian, but I come across um, their stuff a little bit uh, more recently, I guess, so I've, I've really been inspired by them. Lastly, uh, Canadian jazz songstress Holly Cole and the Holly Cole Trio. Her voice just really inspires me, and I've used her quite a bit with my own athletes over the years. I just, I just love that soulfulness. So just, just go with things that speak to your heart first, and then, and then create from there. And if it doesn't quite like fit what you're thinking, you know, think try to find other versions of the song or other things that might kind of inspire you a little bit more.
0: Perfect. Thank you, Leisha, for everything today. Thank you so much. Take good care everyone. I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode and tries to do at least one thing from Leisha's list, from getting in touch with your artistic passions to reconnecting with friends and family. We really do have a lot to be thankful for. And remember, if you ever need a little touch of happiness, just go watch Dr. Leisha Strawn dance pure joy. Thanks for listening everyone and have a great day.